Hello and welcome to This is a Token with Alex Monroe, the podcast that celebrates all things jewellery. I've spent half a lifetime designing and making jewellery, but what really interests me is what it means to other people. This is a podcast where we ask our guests about the jewellery they cherish most of all. We'll explore the moving, fascinating and often surprising stories connected to each piece and those emotional bonds that we just can't do without. My guest today is the talent agent Ruth Young. I have to admit, I first came across Ruth by accident while I was researching some other guests. But at the time, I was halfway through watching Call My Agent on Netflix, and I was slightly fascinated with the people working behind the scenes, managing all the talent that we're so used to seeing on the TV and film. Anyway, Ruth is a senior agent at United Agents, and it turns out that she's really well known and really well respected throughout the industry. So I was really interested to find out more. And when I got chatting, it turned out that she's quite the jewellery connoisseur as well. But when I originally asked Ruth if she might want to be a guest, she wasn't really sure. You see, agents are the unseen force behind the actors and writers and directors that we know. And it turns out that they're not so keen on being in the limelight themselves. But anyway, I assured Ruth that this podcast couldn't be any further from the limelight. And it's really just a nice chat with a cup of tea with me, my guest, and you, my lovely and patient listener. I understand I owe a big thanks to Ruth's daughters because they gave her the big nudge that she needed to come along. So it's with huge thanks and appreciation that I welcome talent agent Ruth Young to This Is A Token. And the dustbin men are on queue. And they normally empty the, um, the bottles from the restaurant, just as we're trying to chat. <laughs> Thank you, Ruth, for coming and Thank you for having me. Well, it's so nice. I know how busy you are, because you've been harder to pin down than the sort of people that you represent. Have I? Yeah, because I guess you're just so busy. Is it busy times because of the whole pandemic thing when it was quiet and now everyone's trying to catch up? No, or? it was always busy, really, for the job that we do, because, you know, you're looking after people's welfare as well as their earning capacity. So when everything collapsed, it was a lot of, you know, psychological support, finding systems of us all working remotely so that, you know, my assistants, three of them, my associate and two assistants, and I can communicate and keep things going. And then filming picked up in September. Now it's all COVID regulations and new agreements and, um, you know, productions having COVID, you know, suspensions and people's availability. It's not a lot that's joyful at the moment really because it's all dealing with issues so i've got friends that are filming and suddenly everything stopped because someone tests positive or somebody's pinged yeah so it it does sound like a bit of a nightmare so i just was chatting to our wholesale manager and i noticed that her toenails and fingernails were all beautifully done and she'd been to a wedding and she said it was one of the best weddings she's been to because after everything they've been through they all just dolled themselves up to the nines and had a massive weekend long party 
So there is an outpouring was your business of fun. So yes, and initially I was I was quite nervous because I thought, you know, none of us knew what was going to happen. And we had to shut everything down and look after everyone's safety. Mm-hmm. So it was incredibly stressful, I'm sure, the same mm-hmm. as for you. Mm-hmm. And again, what's important is the people's mental well-being. And it was mm-hmm. a scary time for everyone. And mm-hmm. as the person in charge, you're expected to have the answers and organise and do things. While you're worried about yourself and your family as well. So, you know. So I'm sure it was the same for you. It was a pretty tense time and quite scary. But what happened was we saw the website pick up mm-hmm. and that picked up and, and filled the gap. So suddenly all our resources mm-hmm. went on to doing that and we kind of made it through quite well in the end. And we're left with, with some good lessons. So we have meetings on Zoom and although it makes me laugh. I don't know about you, but I still have lessons and we're still going, no, you're you're on mute. You, you know, it's like, can you, it's like, it's like after all this time, you would have thought we would have bloody got it right we've by got, now. But. We've got slightly better on it, but yeah. <laughs> I was doing my podcast and amazing people had nothing to do. So, you know, Olivia yeah. Coleman was like, yeah, I'm just sitting around, I'm yeah. going to do your podcast. And, yeah, and, great. And so, and, she yeah. Had she's lovely. And she, yeah, Connie, you just, I was just like heaven. rolling around in the, the kitchen while they were recording. Covered in dogs. It was yeah. just the highlight. It was, yeah, beautiful. <laughs> People that would have done theatre are now doing screen work because, of course, there hasn't been theatre. So they've been available for screen work because when there's theatre, they will gravitate towards yeah. theatre. Yeah. So, in fact, you know, most people have survived, actually, which is great. And then there's some hope because my youngest is finishing her second year at RADA, but she's not doing acting, she's doing the technical stage stuff. Design. So we're not sure what she's going to specialise in in the end. But I'm kind of hoping that there'll be a sort of like renaissance of, of stuff. There will. You know, because you, you do get this reaction to, I think, like after the plague, after the Second yeah. World War, all these sort of yeah. things, you, you have these explosions yeah. of creativity. Yeah, so. exactly. I think that's what so, we're all yeah. hoping. Fingers crossed. There's yeah. a golden My youngest coming. was um, waiting online to get tickets to see Jerusalem again, which is coming on next year. And, you know, she, on the dot of nine o'clock, went on and she was 4,726 in the queue. Wow. You know, for priority booking through the Royal Court, which she, you know, uh, subscribes to. So I think there's a real desire and energy yeah. to go back, as you say. Yeah. Great oh, time, that's so it? nice to hear. I think Libby, my younger sister at RADA, has been so disheartened because she loves showing off and she works so hard on these sets and everything just keeps getting closed. And I think she's kind of losing the will. It's hard. A bit. Yeah. I'll tell her. Those theatre shows open and then close again. It's yeah. really tough. <laughs> Is it two daughters you have? Three. Three. How about you, Ruth? Uh, ah, okay. There's not much in it. Hung for a sheep as a lamb, I'd say. And, and, <laughs> and so I've got three. Connie's middle. Yeah. Right. So Connie's been like technical assistant and general podcast helper and illustrator. Still recording. You'll be glad to know. Thanks, Connie. Right. Well, I've got new batteries in, that's why. <laughs> We're actually here to talk about this already, but I'm sure yeah. my listener would be interested just to know if a young person wants to be a talent agent, how do you go about it? Do you need to do something at university or, or doesn't that count? No, I think there's various routes that you can take. You know, some people have wanted to be actors at some point and then it hasn't worked out. And so, you know, if you can't join them, make money out of them. Yeah. <laughs> so, a crass joke. But, you know, that kind of thing. Or other people have studied, you know, like myself, I did English and drama. I worked in theatre, then I yeah. worked in film. And then by default, I ended up 
you know, sort of helping a casting director and then an agency and then, you know, thought, I actually really love this. You know, and some people come from, uh, you know, very diverse backgrounds, you know, but have always had a love of the arts or performing or going to the theatre or film or television and a knowledge of that. Some people will have done more technical degrees, I suppose, in screen studies and things, lots of ways. I don't know what our it's, HR department technically says now, but there were lots of ways when I did it. Yeah, that's, that's difficult, isn't it? I, I think I think quite often you talk to people of, of my sort of age who perhaps work for the BBC or something, and they say, "Oh, you know, I just I was interested in journalism, so yeah. I, you know, I, I got a job." Yeah. I think it's much harder it's now. Harder. I guess a big company like yours has interns and um, we do are. although because we've expanded a bit we now have a proper HR person and so you know I would be able to help you know friends kids you know coming in for work experience yeah. now there's a much more set pattern yeah, that's like, of that's what you like, can do twice a year you can apply for this you know office runners yeah. and interview processes so it's much more HR driven now and not so, Same not so much space to do the kind of thing that you or I would have done in the, the past you know so it was a time when the kids of friends can say, oh, concerns I do a work placement. And I go, yeah, yeah, you know, sort yeah, yeah. out. But now I have to say, well, actually, can you send a CV into Carly and um, it all and needs to be organised. And there is, you know, there is diversity issues and, you know, trying to make yeah. sure that, you know, we are open in our thinking yeah. about who can do the job. Did you watch Call My Agent? I did. <laughs> but from years ago, it was a client, actually, an adorable client of mine uh, that said to me, have you watched this show? Yeah. And I said, um, I've actually just started watching it, funny enough. And he went, oh, my God, you've got to watch it. It's amazing. I just think of you every time I watch it. I was like, wow, well, I don't <laughs> think so. But yes, I have watched it. Because when we were writing, I said, I said is, it, is it anything like that? And you go, actually, there are similarities, you know, but we're a little less galley. And I read that and thought, there's less sort of sauciness going on, you know, because obviously in Call Asian, they're all French, they're all like having affairs, and it's, all, it's, all, it's not very British, that is it? <laughs> well, there's a sensuality to it, I think, you know, and there are so many similarities. I mean, I'm, you know, I'm sure there are affairs and relationships going on. I'm, but I, I'm afraid I don't like my husband to school, so. <laughs> So <laughs> I'm just boring. Of all of that. Yeah, no, I always remember because I was always hopeless with um, the girls and women, you know, when I was younger. And uh, um, there was a classic time that uh, I was chatting to a girl at the party and she said, um, You don't know when you're being chatted up, do you? And I said, oh, I think I would know. Yeah, you know, carried on chatting, then left. And then, and then someone said, Did you not read that? <laughs> That's stupid. It's like. <laughs> So anyway, so I think probably like you, it's all, it all just I'm just uh, oblivious to the whole thing. We do this whole thing about who would you be if you were in Call My Age? Yeah. <laughs> Obviously, I think I might be Arlette, you know, with my little dog. <laughs> she's the oldest one there. She's the nicest one. I don't think she's kind of stabbed anyone in the back yet. And so she's that's like good. old school and can fix things yeah. and, you know, <laughs> slightly supercilious. But no, I've just been being ageist there, really. Yeah. No. She's remarkable. She's in her 90s, that actually. The actor, really? She's incredible. Whoa. Um, but we all know in our agency who Matthias is. For sure. You were allowed to tell Charming. Us. <laughs> yeah. I won't name and shame, but he'll know who he is if he ever listens. We talked a little about how I didn't get the job for telly, and my friends that are actors just went, mate, you know, that happens to me three times a week. You know, this just don't take it personally, but I, but I did. But with, with the talent, there's quite a lot of managing. They're difficult for us to hand out, particularly when somebody's wanted something or gone through a process, and, mm. you know, several auditions to get 
the, the no. The rejection is really hard mentally mm. on all those actors, which is why I admire them so much. The resilience, pick yeah. yourself up, dust yourself down. And I've always said that, you know, success is often born out of the disappointments rather than the successes, actually, at the end of the day. And it's not just talent. I mean, I think Woody Allen says this as well. It's talent and luck. You know, yeah. it comes together. Totally. You know, and gels, you know, and it's how you handle the nose as well as the success. When I teach young people and they say, Oh, how did you, you know, get where you are? I think it was largely luck, actually, because certainly when I was at university, there were a lot of people more talented than me. And a lot of students and young people, I say, they're hugely more talented than me. But you need, I suppose, there's an element of thick skin mm-hmm. and an element of perseverance mm-hmm. and a big dollop of luck is yeah that, that's how I look at it yeah. anyway because I know some remarkable actors who just haven't had luck on their side they haven't had that lucky break well know? also there's there seems to be a fashion so for example there was a time that if you looked like Kira Knightley when they were doing lots of sort of period costume things yeah. like, you'd be working non-stop I don't know about now, but there was a time where if you were a slightly sort of fey young man, you might get lots of work. And there was another time where if you were really butchy, but I imagine if you were a super butchy beefcake young man, it's harder now because that's not what people are looking for. So it goes in fashions, yeah, right? Or, yeah, I think it does go in fashions, but I think there are always exceptions to any rules in business. When they get older, like so suddenly, suddenly you know, you've never heard of an actor and all of a sudden they're in everything. So they sort of seem to come of age. Yes, I think some actors do come of age. There's a thing about name value. Now it's even more driven. How many followers do they have on Instagram? Mm. What's their social Mm. media, you know, profile? You know, a lot of people, you will see them on television. You think, oh, they're great, but I don't, I I can't remember their name or, you know. uh, Or there'll be really great character actors that will turn up and add, you know, something fantastic. Yeah. You know, even in a smaller role. Um, Yeah. But lead roles are, you know, you know, luck plays a great deal in that. And something hits the zeitgeist and they will take off. Like one of the games that we sort of play, like, right, what actor has more than one franchise, you know, big franchise? And then you get people, you know, people that you never would have expected or, you know, Mm -hmm. maybe someone like Hugh Laurie at the time, you think, Mm -hmm. well, he's just sort of a slightly offbeat British comedian. And then all of a sudden he's this, you know, in everything. (laughs) Who's the guy who, and he does Scotty in Star Trek. He was quite a... Simon Pegg. Simon Pegg, yeah. yeah. Sort of a kind of weird... and, And now he's kind of quite handsome in Mission Impossible. And you think... God, you know, he could probably walk into a restaurant and, and, and everyone would go, ooh, that's gorgeous. And it's like, my God, how did he get from there? To be? You never would have thought it. I mean, you, Building we, block connections, really. And some with. people, you know, work with directors and that director goes on to something else and they've had a fantastically yeah. collaborative relationship. So that director wants that yeah. person in that piece. You know. It's like the Wes Anderson films. Yes. They all have the same. I love it. They're like a little family. I love Wes Anderson's movies. We love them, yeah. don't yeah, we? And it's the, the early ones are so nice because you can see they're all just out of the uni, weren't they? Ruth, 
Shall we look at the piece of jewellery? Because yeah. when we were chatting online, mm. you were saying, oh, well, you know, I've got this bit from this American designer and another thing. And I was thinking, God, Ruth actually really knows her jewellery. And it sounds like she's got some great news. And actually, when you came in, when I saw you, you are covered in gorgeous jewellery. I mean, you've probably got more jewellery on than any other um, person that I've had on my podcast. And it, and it looks great. So you wear it really well. Thank you. So just to describe Ruth, she's got a a, a stripy shirt on, you know, sort of three buttons undone. And then she must have one, two, three, four, five, four or so necklaces there. Yes. Uh, The top one, the little discs, Mm. was given to me by a lovely client, which has got my initials on it, R.Y. The next one was a piece that I was going to talk about, which is an antique piece, but bought in Wendy Fink's shop in New York by my husband. Nice. I had got to know her jewellery through a friend who lived in New York at the time who had kindly given me some pieces of hers. So she was a jewellery maker, but she also collected antique pieces. For instance, there's a, a chain of hers I've got with, you know, this piece on it. I love it because I've tried to do acorns before and everybody's acorns are different. And this, it looks to me quite Victorian. And gosh, it's remarkably light. Mm. So I wasn't expecting that. So all of Ruth's necklaces is gold. They're yes, on... I used to be a silver girl, and then I sort of changed in <laughs> uh, my mid-50s. Do you know what changed me? I, I represented in the latter years of her life, Lauren Bacall. I went to meet her in uh, a hotel because she wanted a UK representative, and she had the most amazing gold rings on, and she was bedecked in black with her a stylish grey hair and she had these gold rings and I was like, oh, I quite like gold, man. And so I sort of swapped from silver. All your chains are lovely and thin and delicate. Are we ever going to see the likes of Lauren Bacall again? Because, I mean, I've only seen her on screen, but my God. She was an icon. She was amazing. I absolutely adored her. So what I love about this necklace is it's interesting because it's so light. It's, it's quite a big acorn mm. and, it's, and it's got a gorgeous texture on the top. It's very light, so it's obviously hollow, made in two halves and yeah. soldered together. Yeah, and it's kind of fun. It's got a really big jump ring on it, which you wouldn't really yeah, expect. We could, if you want, Ruth, oh, yeah, untie that knot for you. I know. I've never been able to untie that knot. I've just lived with it. I could whisk this down to the workshop and say, hey, guys, but this, this is a lovely colour, so it's a slightly softer, a slightly rosier sort of softer colour to, to a lot of your gold, actually. Mm. And sorry, so yes, it's from New York. Yes, so I went into this shop in Lower East Side to buy myself this and my husband came with me and as we were leaving, he spotted this. My husband is very good on this jewellery spotting and he said, oh, that acorn. I went, oh, I've just bought something. He said, let me buy it for you. And um, so he bought it for me. That's lovely. Um, And I love it. Were you working in New York? I was overworking, actually. You know, in the days when we could travel... Yes. Um, I was that. over seeing their clients in a theatre show. Nice. Which is sort of gone by the by now. So you would do set visits as an agent. You'll go and see people on set and you'll go to theatre shows where they've either transferred from, you know, Dublin or London or indeed set up in New York with, you know, British actors. So I think there's something very romantic by. about um, theatre in New York. So a friend of mine was in Sam Shepard's Particle Affair, I think. And then when it moved to New York, I went to stay with my friend. And then we went, we had some great nights with, with, with Sam Shepard and the gang and, and watching. And, and, He's always mesmerised me. I never oh. met him. You know, I don't know if you've ever seen the movie The Right Stuff. He's incredibly handsome. Yeah. Um, you must watch that movie if you've never seen it. I don't think I've seen it before. It's about um, the first astronauts and how Sam Shepard plays the first test pilot who breaks the sound barrier. The problem is that 
a lot of actors are incredibly good looking. And um, <laughs> I was chatting to, was I telling you, I to Petra. Yes, yeah. I was telling you. Yeah. And, uh, the, and I'm bad with names. I just think so many men are handsome. The way I remember his name is, is his surname is Petri, and I remember Petri Dish because he's dishy. So I have to do those. Not chemistry classes <laughs> at all. No, no, no. So I have to use these weird things. But, um, but did you yeah. call him dishy in the podcast? No, I didn't call him dishy, but I did tell him that's how. That's I how think I, we should keep this for him so he can listen to it afterwards. <laughs> um, there are so many good-looking people, aren't there? Um, there Yeah, my hope is that. Um, it's not the main thing. But it's about personality as well, isn't it? Personality. Like, yeah, I'm going to stick with that one. It's who you are. Right. So I'm going to I'm going to pull up this next necklace, yeah. which is just gorgeous. So I think we oh, can kind of hear it because it's it it's a. I mean, you'd almost call it a charm necklace, would you? This chain, not very nicely, is called Belcher chain. Yes. Which is a really nicely shaped chain. No, my chains are all chain. just cheap chains, actually. Oh, I like this chain. What's interesting about it, it's got a, a catch that's gone black and then another catch putting on it. But that's quite nice because it's Cause this is lived in. Because I've done that. And it's sort yeah. of life. So it has one, two, three, four, five charms on yeah. it. And it's gold. Again, it's a lovely sort of antique gold colour. And um, it's just a really yes, nice that's piece. Twisted on there. I'm, I'm not going to do anything. So what I love about this next at first sight, Ruth, is that it looks to me like it's you. You sort of put it together and, it's, and you've lived in it. So and I it's, do and it a tells a story. putting together. So I bought brilliant. this as another example. Ah, brilliant. So, and so got... I do lots of layering. I mean, I took a photograph of the other ones I've got. Uh, so much so that I was at a press conference, press launch actually, and one of the actors turned to the actor I represented and said, look at that woman with all her gold <laughs> chains. Uh, yeah, that's my agent. Bling. Bling. Nice. Is that a compass? On it that? is, yeah. That's brilliant. And useful. I love that. If you get lost. But let's just mm. focus. These charms, do they all... Actually, this started with these two, which is from the shop in New York. Yes, yeah, so there's a sort of, it's not a cameo, but it's yeah. a stone with a Grecian style of head. And the stone, the only way I can describe it is it looks like a spangle. Now, I don't know if spangles are still sweet, but they used to have Coca-Cola spangles, which were sort of Coca-Cola flavoured sweets that you would suck. And this has got that gorgeous brownie red Coca-Cola colour and it kind of almost looks edible. And it's got a Grecian-style head on, and it's set in a gold band. Mm -hmm. And the other piece looks a bit like a sort of bishop's hat. So it's kind of conical in shape. It's filigree. There's going to be photos on the website, but they're kind of really interesting things. So this was from Wendy Fink, where my husband also bought that. But then I decided that I would add things on, and then... Obviously not a jewellery maker, but the thing that is really closest to my heart is my grandfather's 1950 Working Men's Club medal for snooker. So he won. And it's the got snooker. enamel on the on the yeah. snooker table. Yeah. I'm going to um, photograph that separately because that is absolutely. And that is gorgeous. the really special piece. To think that you know this was a small mining village. I mean, you know, it was a poor community. It wasn't a wealthy community. But to think that for a snooker championship, you would get a gold medal. It's just amazing. And what's beautiful, it's set in a sort of red gold band. It's got nice colours on it. And the the jump ring at the top is quite big, and that's red gold as well. Mm. 
It's beautifully hand engraved, just real craftsmanship with the engraving. It's heavy. And the snooker player on the other side, it's got enamel green on the snooker table, which is so kind of cute, isn't it? Mm -hmm. That's fantastic. And the date is 1915. Yeah. Wow. William Gibb. How did it how did it come to you? Just down through the through the generations? Yeah, my mother had it and then she gave it to me. Um and um I've just always loved it. So it's from the Winchurch Women's Winchborough. Winchborough Winchborough. Winchborough is a, it's a small mining village outside Edinburgh. Here. Right. My mother here. Right. And is that did you grow up there too? Or? I grew up in Edinburgh. Yeah. Not in Winchborough. Yeah. But my father became the minister in Winchborough and met my mother and then he moved from Winchborough Parish Church to Edinburgh. Right. So right. I grew up in Edinburgh. Okay, cool. I was born. Okay, cool. Yeah. So my oldest daughter's called Verity and it her name is based on one day I might get a Scottish accent because Verity just sounds I, I read The Crow Road. Verity. By Ian yeah, Banks. Yeah. And when and it's said in a Scottish accent, it's just beautiful. And actually she's got kind of a thing about Scotland too. And she's always going back to she likes Glasgow because she's young and it's a bit more I know. I buzzing. went to Glasgow University and then so I grew up in Edinburgh, went to Glasgow University, then lived in Glasgow for ten years before I moved to London. And it's a vibrant city. It's a great Glasgow. city. It's a great, she so, great city to be a student. I love I love Aaron. And Aaron, which which is oh, where my she wants to which go. is where our sort of relations originally came from and the old family she house that my dad used to live in was up for sale and when I said oh my gosh can I buy it you um, well Verity particularly said why would you want to buy a house in Aaron and none of us will ever visit so I didn't and now she goes there all the time and Aaron's gorgeous so I slightly regret probably that. still get a house there though Alex well yes Yes. Mum might kill you though. I think she would. Maybe she? Yeah, just a lot. I don't think she wants to move to Aaron. The, so the issue that we had when I took Verity up to look at art school was that Edinburgh, it looked like half the public schools in England had emptied out into that city, and she wanted to get away from all mm. of that sort of thing. And so Glasgow was rawer yeah. and more real, and the art school was all industrial. Vibrant, and, yeah. yeah. So I've got I just, lots of friends who went to Glasgow Art School who shared flats. Such a cool place. Yeah. And a lot of them stay. Our PR manager has moved back there because it's a great city and you can yeah. afford to live a good life and get a flat and do all the things. Well, there. it was great because my elder daughter went to study at Edinburgh University, where my husband went, and yeah. my younger daughter went to drama school in Glasgow, and I went to Glasgow University. So we had that reconnection with each city Brilliant. that each oh, of us had students in, which was incredibly evocative, I have to say. I so your younger daughter uh, is she, an actor? Yeah, she's an actor. Wow. So you, she hadn't learned from your, from your Don't warnings. Your on the stage. <laughs> I do remember very early on, she said, I know this profession is really difficult, but will you stop putting obstacles in my way? So at that point, yeah, I, yeah. you step aside. Yeah. yeah. Great. So my kids are very different, you know. One works in HR consultancy, one works in the arts. If you take HR and acting and move towards the centre, you've got you, haven't you? <laughs> yeah, and they, they live in the same building over in South London. And in lockdown, it was great because different personalities can support each other in, you know, yeah. in, in different ways. So, it, you know, I was yeah. really pleased that they at least had flats in the same building and could see each other because yeah. we couldn't see them in the first lockdown. That's so nice that they were together. So, so there's yeah. two more charms. Would you say maybe if your house was burning down, you had to save something? Would this be something that you would it, really, really, really want to say? I would run save? to that, yeah. We just empty my drawer of jewellery. <laughs> hidden away well, in a secret place. Um, but that was a gorgeous. locket that yeah. I got when I was a kid. 
And so I Gorgeous it locket. On. Um, the engravings. I love this engraving. I'm going to do a separate photograph of the locket because... I don't think that's gold. I'm not sure what it is. Maybe gold plate or something. I don't know. Well, I would have to get my loop because yeah. it's not hallmarked. And so it could be rolled gold, you know, as opposed to plate. It's where you roll it and you actually is have a thick like surface. Pinch back. That's pinch back gold, I think. Anyway, I, don't I don't know. know. I don't know. Anyway. It's obviously quite valuable because it's hand engraved. Mm. What I never really mastered was engraving. And I love the way so when i'm on the phone i doodle and I, i'll sort of fill the space with twirls and things and what engravers do is they just fill the space with these twirly little things and flowers and i kind Absolutely of think amazing i think i'd like to do that you know maybe next life i'll be an engraver amazing. there's a lot of good things to do i always think i'm going to be all sorts of things in my next life oh yeah you've got a long list a i'm not going to be an actor yeah my list is long as well <laughs> mine is very long but it's just you've got ways to go i have a plan i don't know what you think about this plan right when we complete season two of our podcast i would like to do a jewelry school so we do jewelry school in our workshop over in up to, on Tarbridge road all right it's more or less one teacher per student and we can get a complete novice to make a gorgeous piece of reasonably complex jewelry by the end of the day and um i thought it would be really fun to ask people who've been on the podcast if anyone wanted to do jewelry school if we could get a date where people mm. were free mm. and if we can make two pieces of jewelry one we can auction off as a charity mm. and the other one goes to the person that made it mm. and it would be a really fun thing to do yeah. So, you know, if you like to learn Design about jewellery making, if you have a one-on-one -on -one teacher, you're really guided through it. It's amazing what people make. They make amazing stuff. I mean, you obviously have a real love for jewellery. Buying it. <laughs> and wearing it. Yes. Well, my father was amazing, you know, obviously because he was a minister of the Church of Scotland and we didn't have a huge amount of money. But he would give me a piece of jewellery every Christmas and birthday. So I bought this oh. as an example, most of which was stolen from my flat in Glasgow, but I happened to no. be wearing this at the time when I was working through in Edinburgh. So it didn't disappear. I have the nothing but contempt for people that steal jewellery. I mean, yeah, I mean, they, em they emptied all the jewellery into a sheet on my back and went off like you know, um, some kind of you know Dickensian yeah you know, bag over them. Anyway, my father, you know, who was brilliant, just said to me, Is anybody hurt Ruth? And I said, No. And he said, It's just material possessions because he also took his watch that I had at the time that my mum had given to him when she got married. But I thought my dad was great. He was just like, Is anybody hurt? No, it's just material possessions. Move on. You know, you're fine. So it's a good point. But having done this podcast, for example, your your grandfather's medal. Yeah. I'd be really annoyed it, if I it, lost that. You could hold that and that'll transport you. It's like the yeah. uh, the hawk. What's it yeah. called in Harry Potter? I never know. Is it the Horcrux? Horcrux. Yeah. We'll have to look at it. I've talked to people who had a wedding ring that their father, who died recently, gave to them to get married with. And they hold it in their hands and then they well up in yeah. tears because it yeah. whooshes you through with yeah. the memory. So, yes, it's just objects. But yeah. what I've found about jewellery is that for, for so many people, it's so, so important to have a, this physical thing that it can is. connect you through to who you are and where you come but you've, also, you've also got to wear it, and, and, and my uh, younger one is very ringsy gold rings and antique gold rings, you know. And she thought she'd lost one recently. In fact, she eventually found it. We were retracing her steps and saying, Have you looked in the Hoover? Have you looked in this? Have you looked in the bin? Search through the bin. Did it come off when you went to the bin? And um, she actually found it in a glove 
she's using ah. in the shower. Colin, um, this plant, Colin women. Yeah. So, you know, but I think you have to sometimes just let go. Well, the moral of your story with this brooch is that wear it. And sometimes that can be a way of not losing jewelry. <laughs> um, this is a super brooch. And I imagine it's a Scottish craft person because it's yeah. beautiful enamelling. Yes, and I saw the same brooch in the um, Museum and Art Gallery in Glasgow. It's a little yeah. bit kind of Charles René Macintosh yeah. in, in the sense that it's got an Art Nouveau sort yeah. of feel um, to it. I think it's after the it. style of yeah. it, isn't um, it really? But it looks like a view, it reminds me of Scotland because it looks like a view of pine trees and I'm sure it's not supposed to be, that's what it does for me. They look like pine trees with the blue sky yes, behind. Sort true. of looking through a, a you know, Hill House Helensborough window or something yeah. like that. It's a sweet piece. It's your... Dad's still with us? No, no. My dad died 30 odd years ago. But anyway, he started me on my love. And actually, one of the pieces that I lost in that robbery or breaking was a fantastic Alexander Ritchie brooch, enameled brooch. And um, that I was really annoyed about. I saw one similar come up on eBay and I was about to go on holiday. So I put in the bids and then I went for something ridiculous, £600. And I was like, what? What was your bids, you know, 35 uh, well, no, I think I went to 90. <laughs> like, whoa, whoa. Well, um, yeah, obviously, obviously so, collectible. So, and then I just let that one go. So, yeah. yeah. Well, look, you've still got this time. nice connection yeah. with your dad. Exactly. Hey, so we, exactly. We, we've got we've got two generations, which is, and and your husband. Interestingly, so far we have three important men in your life, and so we do. Some people, it's been sister, mother, best friend, it's all been women. And it's like, oh my God, did no man ever give you a piece of jewellery? And you've got these amazing, lovely men. Yeah. Just, I don't know if you know, it's that's true. relevant, but just, just it interesting. It is true. My husband bought me this, let's, my husband bought me that. Let's have a, a look at, at another. husband, isn't it? He's a keeper. Yeah. But I mean, obviously he's a keeper <laughs> by now. But After all these years, I, think I my... can't do anything <laughs> other than keep him. Yeah. I brought Sweet. because again these two are gifts from my husband. I never actually had an engagement ring but mm. I always admired my mother-in-law's ring which was an emerald set in diamonds and then there's a fantastic jeweler in Edinburgh called Joseph Bonner and my husband found this aquamarine and diamond ring in there about 16 or 17 years mm. after we were married and bought me it and it fitted and I wear it. So how did your husband propose to you? I think I proposed to him. I'm just like February is a really boring month, shall we get married? Yeah. Um, which is what we did. And he'll, he'll probably correct that. But my father had become ill and he was a minister and we'd been living together for a number of yeah. years and I just felt that he would like to see us married. So. Yeah. Did he marry you? Was he that... did. He did. That's um, nice, isn't it? he walked me down the aisle in his kilt and then put his um, robes on and he stood up in front of the church and uttered the immortal words. This is the first time I've been able to stand in front of my daughter without fear of contradiction. <laughs> <laughs> that broke the ice on the wedding. Sorry. So he had a sense of humour too. He had a good sense of humour, a really good sense of humour. And this, this husband of yours is one hell of a jewellery buyer. It's amazing, actually. This is gorgeous. Yeah. So I'm just looking at the first one, which is a sort of slightly casual square So this shape. is a petra small. 
Oh, and it's Pippa. That, that yeah. is Pippa. That's why it's so gorgeous. And oh. that was for my 50th birthday. And we went to Pippa's flat at the time. And I had a very close female friend, actually. So there's a female ah, friend yeah. in there. <laughs> Sue, tribute to you, introduced me and has bought me several pieces of Pippa's jewellery in the past. And uh, we went to the flat, picked that. She had to get it enlarged for my chubby fingers. And my friend Sue kept saying, but don't you want to wear it? We're just going to the Oscars in three weeks time she has to wear it for the Oscars and I was like I don't have to wear it for the Oscars so no I didn't wear it for the Oscars it wasn't ready at the time I wasn't putting pressure on it so you get to go to the Oscars I did once yeah I went with a client to the Oscars and we were sitting in the second row. It was quite an incredible experience. It does sound fun. That does sound really fun. I have never repeated it, but it was great. Yeah. One day con. Will you take me when you get to be a famous whatever it is? We are together. We go to the theatre to watch a play and we're both so claustrophobic. We hardly ever make it. Sorry. We kind of laugh about it because we are such... What are you seeing tonight? I don't know. I didn't ask because I have anxiety and claustrophobia. It's a grueling experience. But my wife, Denise, loves the theatre. So it's not fair on her for me to constantly say no so well, instead so I go good oh, to challenge how yourself, isn't it? with a big grin on my face and she can see through that I think can't she? but anyway I so. love it I, lo- I love the theatre so much but it is a shame the last time I went my friend had bought me tickets to go see and she took me and I was like this would be so fun but I hadn't been to the theatre in years because of you know there was Covid there was all of this mm. going on and I sat down and it was about to start and we had amazing seats and then as the lights went down I was like I feel really uncomfortable and then I had to remember that I was really claustrophobic, but I stayed throughout the whole. Oh, good, Connie. But it was, it was the first time I'd been, I'd faced with the other one we went to go see, Ian McKellen, and I cried. Well, non-stop. yes, no, we like Ian McKellen. <laughs> yeah, you have got your wife loves theatre and your best friend is an actor in the theatre world. <laughs> and, I, and I'm going to the theatre and I'll be, I'll be brilliant. So sometimes if I'm, if I'm not doing very well, I say to the lady on the door, it's like, I'm claustrophobic, so this, this could be difficult. If I need to get out, can I get out? And she says, yes, fine. But then um, last time, every five minutes, I got a tap on the shoulder and she was like, you okay? You're not bearing up. It's like, leave me alone. It's going to get worse. It's going to get worse. And everyone was looking at me. It's like, oh, God. So so, anyway, we'll... So there's a pepper small um, with a gorgeous opal. A moonstone, yeah, because it's a moonstone, I got the word wrong, which has got these lovely reflective colours yeah. in it. Quite and magical. we love Pippa Small's work. And then this is the, your, the Scottish jeweller. What remind me the name Joseph of Bonner. He's Joseph Bonner. Uh, he's, he runs an antique jewellery shop, Joseph Bonner. Well, that's got a lot he's of sparkle amazing. in it, hasn't it? Yeah, it's a lot of sparkle. And it's it's a, a rectangle of gorgeous diamonds. I haven't got my loop, but um, they aren't half sparkling away. They're little diamonds set on the outside, and then a nice pale, I'm going to guess, is that an aquamarine in there? Aquamarine, I normally yeah. get these things wrong. But um, they're lovely. I'm going to photograph them. Super. Yeah. This one I actually bought for myself. Oh. Let me tell you a story about this. <clears throat> so I fell and broke my wrist in two places on the last day of a trip oh. to Bangkok. How is it now? Uh, yeah, it's fine. It's, it's wobbly, but it's fine. My elder daughter was doing a degree, an MBA. She was finishing off in Bangkok. We had a fantastic five days. And I slipped in a downpour of rain. Um, oh. But I had an early morning flight the next day. And I knew I was in trouble. It was really sore. I did the 13-hour flight, got back, went to a and I had broken it in two places. Anyway, it was sortable. 
they just yanked it back and then I was in plaster for a bit. But because I was in plaster, my fingers swelled up mm. and I mm. couldn't get my engagement ring on. Later, my husband and I went to Vienna and he wanted to take a photo in the doorway where the third man was shot. Oh, yeah. And he wanted to wait for half an hour because the light wasn't right. And I was like, why? Okay. Why? So I went wandering. So I wasn't wearing my engagement ring because I couldn't get it on my finger. And then I saw this in a shop, an antique shop window. And I went in. I actually wrote down it was Gerda Sassmann Spiegelfeld in Vienna. And she didn't speak much English. I put it on and she just went, it fits. And I was like, it's it does. It's mine. <laughs> <laughs> so Cinderella, you will go. That to is so so nice. I have worn this one for a long time, but now I alternate the two. That's so, so nice, Ruth. That's so, my story so there it's, on my ring. It's a gorgeous... Citrine. It's a citrine. Yeah. It's a, my kind of citrine. The same with the aquamarine. Because would you believe that 99% of coloured stones are dyed or treated? Um, oh, and you get very few that are natural. Mm. And these actually both look very natural. And mm. what I love as a jewellery maker, the citrine, because it's quite a big stone, it's quite a high stone. So it's a rub over setting, but it has a beautiful gallery around the outside. It's not pierced out, it's constructed, so it has twirly S shapes. It's just quite high and just such a beautiful colour. I, I love citrine and gold. I love the, the colour combos of that. That is a super ring. Yeah, it's very nice. Oh, yeah. Very it nice. Three gorgeous stories. rings. Shall we have a look at another piece? And can I just ask you about the bracelet that you have on? This one? Yes. Yeah. That was a gift from Night Antique. Yeah, that's what I thought. So, yeah. By the way, listen, you, in the background, we've got Blueberry, the dog, and drinking water and running around, and the bin men and deliveries coming, and the workshop downstairs. So all these noises. Um, have to be Blueberry's trying to eat it's the croissants. And Ryan T are brilliant jewellery designers, and they were a little bit sort of ahead of me in the game. And they are well known for their slightly sort of, I don't know, flattish hand of the maker in them, is what I'd yeah. say. So these rings are also right. Are they? Yeah. Oh, may, yeah. may I photograph that one? I've been looking at those as well. They so, are yeah. So they're, they're great. They're just great jewellery designers. Great. This one's got a nice sort of ethnic... Um, it's very sort of Grecian, Roman, yeah. battered. Kind of looks like it could have been made in almost like female or something and then mm-hmm. and then casting gold because it's got yeah. a very handmade thing on, on a chain. It's a beautiful um, right and teeth bracelet which is a sort of classic so with their classic flat heart with the flower on. So, um, Are you sure I can get these off? No, don't worry. Don't worry. I could do this. So the trick for our listener, if you ever panic and get a ring stuck, run your hand under cold, cold water, cool your hand down, big squidge of washing up liquid and it will come off definitely. So now we've got two Chunky, kind of, again, like a Grecian band. It isn't D-shaped in section. It has a little rim either side. You're going to have to look at the photo about that. And again, another what looks like a sort of Grecian coin on a band. But this is classic, gorgeous, right and tea. And you can't get better than that, I don't think. Just, they're a great company. So we'll put the link on the website. You should check out, yeah. um, listener, you should check out right and tea because they're they're great jewellers. And they've, they've been doing amazing work for a kind of generation. So they're gorgeous, those ones. Yeah. I was slightly obsessed with them because I saw them on your wrist. We're sort of doubling the amount of jewellery on the table. We are, but Ruth... the stories were pertinent, <laughs> weren't they? Now, a female friend did give me ah. that piece of your jewellery. I mean, I have bought stuff myself from you, but um, so I've had bees and feathers and birds. and um, Your bee is always greatly admired when I'm in America, by the way. We should get going with it out there. I you really should, because I of... once gave um, somebody the link to your website. Anyway, a friend gave me, I'm rather obsessed with whales, and she gave me that way. 
And so this is the whale that we sell on the website, um, or at least we used to. I don't know if it's still there. And you've got a lovely fish, uh, sort of Chinese fish on the other yes, end, I like. I'm going to ask for help with that. Great, we can do anything. Because I brought that as a student in Athens and I had to um, I had to negotiate the guy down because I didn't have enough money. I had to oh. say, Jim, would you sell it to me for this? And he went, oh, all right. Oh, that's all I've got. That's sweet. Yeah. The whale was a funny one because it was part of a collection. They had an exhibition at the Greenwich Maritime Museum about mariners back in the day who would go off on sailing ships and might never come back or would come back three years later because these were long voyages. And there were lots of pieces in there. They they used to, on their charts, they used to draw where whales were and that sort of thing. So it's a slightly sort of comedy drawing of a a sperm whale, I think. And it's beautiful. And they would give them as mementos to their sweethearts. And the other things... Scrimshaw and things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I love my whale. Sweet. Well, Ruth, thank you so much. Thanks for having Uh, me. um, Thank you for having me. I really enjoyed it, having been quite nervous about doing it. You've got such nice jewellery, Ruth. Thank you. I think I do. With the right antique. This is my era as well. I know there's some other pieces, but this is what jewellery should be about. I, I love the fact you've expressed I yourself through the jewellery. I love adding things as well. Thank you for listening to my podcast. If you'd like to see some of the pieces we've been talking about, please check out our website and follow the links to the podcast page. You'll also find information on how to share your own stories, give a bit of feedback, or have a look at all the jewellery-related things I've been up to recently. We've also got some great jewellery-making tutorials on our YouTube channel. There's lots to see. Just go to www.alexmonroe.com. (laughs) 